Hello, and welcome to the Slate Wine Club. I'm Felix Salmon, and you may know me as the host of Slate Money, your guide to the business and finance news of the week. But I am also, as many Slate Money listeners will remember, a bit of a wine lover. I like to drink wine, I like to talk about wine, I like to think about wine, and Really, underneath everything, I like the storytelling of wine. I really think that wine is about stories and memory and experiences and the idea of transporting yourself to a different place. These are the things at the heart of the Slate Wine Club. It's not about, you know, tasting notes and tannins and malolactic fermentation and micro-oxygenation and that kind of thing. It's about place and people and stories and just getting to enjoy a variety of premium wines and learning about them from these expert winemakers, often who've been making wines not just themselves but in their families for hundreds of years. And these stories really help me enjoy wine, they'll help you enjoy wine. But before we talk to today's winemaker, you probably want to know why you should join the club and how to become a member of it. So as a Slate Wine Club member, you will get expertly curated selections of premium wines made by some of the world's best winemakers. Each shipment includes three bottles of unique high-quality wines delivered right to your door. And joining is easy. Just text SLATE to 87877-SLATE. That's S-L-A-T-E to 878-777-5283. Once you receive your wines, you'll be able to sip each one while listening to an interview with the talented winemaker who crafted it. And that's exactly what we're doing today with Eva Ray. She's a German. She was born in the Mosul literally grew up sipping and spitting Riesling, but moved to Burgundy to make some of the greatest wines in the world, white Burgundies. Right now, we're going to be drinking her 2018 Haute Côte de Nuit Blanc, which is a fantastic wine, but it's pretty much about as young as ever Ray's wines get. It's great. It's designed to be drunk young, even though it's three years old. But as you'll hear, white burgundy can get very old and very special. So this could be a fantastic introduction to one of the great wines of the planet. Eva Ray, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and telling us all about your... Now, I'm going to say this with great excitement. White Burgundy. Yeah. You know white Burgundies? You know Burgundy very well, apparently, Felix. Eh? I wish I knew it better. It's the one part of the world that I always want to drink more of. It's probably the best wine for their complexity, for their profondeur, for also having, uh, especially the Pinot Noir, having a very lunatic cepage. It's a cepage which changes all the time during the vinification process, in the bottle as well. So it's a very complex variety, the Pinot Noir especially. And the Chardonnays in Burgundy is only so beautiful because it has a wonderful soul, a Jurassic time soul, beautiful limestones, and it's grown in one of the most beautiful places in the world. Wine country is always beautiful, but Burgundy is particularly beautiful. Exactly. There are only really two grapes in Burgundy. There's Pinot for the reds and Chardonnay for the whites. But this is not the Chardonnay that American drinkers think of when they think of Chardonnay. 
I mean, America has beautiful Chardonnays as well, but I think the styles are quite different and the way the wines are made are different probably too. So this wine is, as we said, 2018, is three years old. Most of your other whites, you would generally recommend drinking a bit older than that? Well, it's a very difficult question, Felix, because it depends which country you come from. (laughs) Some people generally like younger wines. If you would go to England or to Japan, they would be shocked to think that after four or five years, you know, it's really a question of taste. So I personally enjoy my wine when they still have some freshness and I can enjoy good food. So I prefer to start after five, six years with the wines from the Côte d'Amelia. You see, this is where my English roots are showing. My grandfather was a big wine buyer in England in the 60s and 70s. And I think that's where I got my love for older wines. Some people call me a necrophiliac when it comes to wines. I like them very old. But <laughs> but this one, I like my wine fresh. I'm just going to pour a bit of this so I can try and work out what you're talking about here and try and understand a little bit about the uniqueness of white burgundy and how it's just like no other wine on the planet, even though it is made from probably the most ubiquitous grape on planet Earth. You get Chardonnay pretty much everywhere. Absolutely. I think because Chardonnay is relatively easy to adapt to different souls, Chardonnay is also a wine which goes with so much different food. But tell me about yourself. I'm hearing that you are not French. No, actually my family is from Germany, from the Mosel Valley. We are wine growers, but for Riesling. I mean, if you're in the Mosel, that's what you grow is Riesling, right? Riesling, exactly. But he also had a negociant. And during the Second World wine was very important for the soldiers. Of course. So the vintners were mostly able to stay home to make sure that there was enough wine for the soldiers. I just love this story so much because it's so gloriously European. When the world went to war and it was the most terrible time in European history, the the one thing that you really needed to make sure kept on going was the wine production. And if you were a winemaker, you didn't need to become a soldier because you had something more important to do. There's a fantastic book called Wine and War. I have not read it. It's a really amazing book about different stories of different wine families, about how they tried to hide their wines from the soldiers and how they closed down some parts of the cellar or put their wines into lakes and then finally the labels were swimming off. So uh, after the second war, my grandfather was going on with the negociant, but he also bought some simple table wines in France. And the company he used to work with, he was in Burgundy. And he really fell in love with Burgundy, with the wine countryside, with the different way of winemaking, and of course, of the lifestyle, the French lifestyle. And then he um, had the possibility to buy his first vineyards in chambon Musigny in 1954. Wow. That was very early. Then my father had the same love for this beautiful spot, and we had the chance to buy the Mme in 1982. And do you still have the vineyards in chambon moussigny We still do, yeah. And, you know, that vineyard will turn 100 years next year. So you are the third generation of your family to farm these fields and make this wine in Burgundy. In Burgundy, yeah. But going back to the Mosul, it goes back how far? Five generations. Yeah, a little bit longer. Is the climate... Roughly the same in the Mosul and in Burgundy? 
Germany is cooler. It gets really hot in summertime and there's a lot of humidity. And if you look at all the pictures from this part of Burundi, you can see there used to be loads of lakes. So the water level is very high. Another thing in Burgundy, which is really interesting, uh, the cellars are never very deep because of the water level being so high, which is really good for the barrels because you have a lot of humidity in your cellar, but you also have a lot of humidity outside. You just get out of the shower in summer and then you walk back into the shower again. <laughs> does it still get cool at night or does it stay hot in the summer? At the moment, I don't know if you have heard, we had really bad frost damage. Yeah, this year has been terrible, right? I've been there for 33 years and I've never seen anything like that ever before for the white wine. Never, ever. There was going to be very little Chardonnay, so enjoy your bottle, Felix. Well, I have to enjoy the 2018s and the 2019s because the 2021s are going to be like hen's teeth, if you can find them at all. You literally grew up in the cellars, right? Making these wines or surrounded by these wines. Yeah, I grew up on the Mosel. It was actually really wonderful. And you could see... All year long, people walking in the vineyards. And I think one of my favorite experiences at that time is at the end of the school day, because my family home was outside of the village. I needed to wait till my father finished work. So uh, I loved running around the cellar and asking everybody, what are you doing now? What are you doing now? Why are you doing this? And how old were you? So I was about six, seven years old when it started. Actually, Felix, we already had our own wine classes when we were very small. There were tiny little classes so we could try. We were only allowed to try something. We had to split it out. I feel like that's the right age to start drinking Riesling. I think it's a perfect age to try, not to start drinking. To develop a taste. Of course, you have a vineyard dog. Oh, yes, my Pino. Pino is the name of the dog. Pinot is the name of the dog. He's mostly Pinot Blanc. <laughs> you can get Pinot Cree at the end of the day. And during the harvest, he's Pinot Noir. I love the idea of him getting schmutzig out in the fields, becoming Pinot Noir. That's just the most glorious vision. One of the questions I've been asking everyone on this podcast is, is white burgundy the best wine in the world, yes or no? It's probably the best wine on the galaxy. <laughs> it's really complex and very elegant. And the Pinot Noir is definitely something very unique because it's a very lunatic grape. It's a grape which changes all the time, stays with his main character, which comes from the soul. You know, we have some wines who have more character of spices, herbal flavors, or tropical flavors, which you find nearly every year from the specific soul. But during their time in the class, uh, they have a time where they are very close, and then they have a time where it's particularly open up. Then you open a class, you get some wine into the class, and it gives you a first feeling, then you wait a little bit, and then you try your second dip, and you think, oh, wow, this is now completely different than before, and it's opening up, and it's showing all the potential. So that's, I think, that makes our wines really special. And Mosul Riesling would be number two? Oh, Mosul Riesling is actually the second best wine in the world. <laughs> Thank you again to Eva Ray for joining us today and for telling us all about her amazing white burgundy. If you're not a member of the Slate Wine Club already, joining is easy. Just text SLATE to 878-777-5283 to set up your first shipment, and you'll be well on your way to enjoying premium wines like the... 2018 white burgundy we just tasted not to mention developing a better appreciation for the expert winemakers who fill our glasses 